This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, and we want you to stay tuned today as we're going to be talking about the viewpoint of God on the sufficiency of Scripture. Is the Bible enough? Do we need something else? Just what is God's viewpoint? Stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. We want you to have it in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll free 1-877-711-5214 As we think about our subject today God's viewpoint on scripture as a beginning place I'd like for us to look at two passages of scripture found in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and verse 17. Listen carefully as I read those. All Scripture, not some Scripture, but all Scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, for every good work. Is the Bible, as it is, sufficient to meet the needs of man now and in eternity? Many think not. Some think that that's too simplistic. And they cast Scripture aside for their theories, for their ideas, their hobbies, for the sake of political correctness, for passing notions. And, and often opinion polls, rather than scripture, is used to determine what is thought to be true. I want you to look at those verses again I just read. All Scripture, not some Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's a God-breathed-out book. It's God's book. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Well, for what is it profitable? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, for doctrine. For whatever we need to know, 
for instruction in righteousness, for reproof, for correction. You see, anything that I need in my spiritual life has been revealed by the Holy Spirit in the Bible. The book that I hold in my hand is God's book. And it is sufficient. It is sufficient to meet, meet all of our needs and furnish us or equip us unto every good work. But there is an attack today on the sufficiency of Scripture. The word sufficiently, sufficient uh, simply means that something is adequate that it would be an adequate guide in all matters of uh, faith and doctrine. And it provides the truth for everything that I need. We don't go to the Bible to find truth. The Bible is truth. In John 17 and 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is truth. So we don't go to the Bible to find the truth. The Bible is the truth. And as truth, it provides everything that we need. Now some think that we need something other than the Bible, that the Bible is not a sufficient guide for us. And the sufficiency of the Word of God is under attack today. It is doubted by some that the Bible is a sufficient diet for the Christian. So they come up with other things in addition to the Bible. There are those that want to supplement the Bible with entertainment, with their ideas that have been drawn from the secular world, but my friend, the Bible is a sufficient guide for us today. I browse in bookstores occasionally. And usually when I go to a bookstore, I always find the section where they have religious books and the like. And there are all kinds of books that tell you how to do this and how to do that and how not to do this and how not to do that. And sometimes I get a little bit amused at all of the titles of the books, but I leave thinking, I'm sure there's some good thoughts in all of those books. But when you boil it down to the bottom line, the Bible has already said it. You see, everything I need in life is, is contained in the Word of God. There's an increase today in the idea that God speaks directly to man or that, that God may speak to man through voices or through dreams or through visions. And the Bible has been abandoned on some vital topics today because people no longer believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. They'd rather go by how they feel, what they think, 
or some alleged experience that they have had. But whatever we need to know that would save our souls, we need to go to Scripture. But the Bible today has been abandoned on such vital topics as marriage and the family. There was a time that men and women in America believed the Bible was the sufficient guide to tell us what we needed to do with our homes. But no longer is that the case. And there are some who would even go so far as to say, I really do not care what the Bible says. I just want to do it the way I see it. And that's a rejection of the sufficiency of the Scriptures. And we have come up now with new ideas, with all kinds of gimmicks apart from the Word of God, as the key to our family problems. I'm going to, the, the, when, when marriages fail, it is because men and women have abandoned what God says about the home. God is the one who created the home in the very beginning. He knows what's best for the home. And in this book called the Bible, he's given us the instructions for having a happy home and a successful home. And it is only when we abandon what God has said that our homes began to fall apart today. And a failure of the home is not the proof of the Bible's failure. It is a proof that men do not know what the Bible teaches about the home. Even people who claim to say they know the Word of God. Yes, the sufficiency of the Scripture is under attack today. But the Bible claims to be a sufficient book. Let me just read a few passages to you that I think affirms that. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Peter I made mention of the fact that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, what does that mean? Everything I need to know to live in a good life and to live a godly life has been revealed in the Bible. And then John 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them with thy word, thy word is truth. There was a time that Pilate asked the question, What is truth? And he was looking at the truth. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. And what he taught is the truth. And then look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The Bible is God's powerful word that can save our souls. Then there's Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, the Bible is food for the soul. And then again, look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's a powerful book. That's the reason some people do not like it. That's the reason some people tremble at its hearing. Because the Bible is the powerful word of God to save our souls. And then look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The Bible has been given to us that we might grow spiritually. In James the first chapter and verse 25, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. This man be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. If we're going to be blessed by the Lord, we have to do where the Bible says do. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. When Paul was addressing the elders of the Ephesian church in the 20th chapter of Acts, he told them in that address, I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God until as a gospel preacher I have declared all the counsel. I'm not going to be pleasing to God. In the 32nd verse of that same chapter, Paul said, And I commend you to God. And the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Even in the Old Testament, it was understood that the Bible was needed in the lives of people and that it was sufficient for mankind. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. The word, notice it there, the word which I commanded you this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach it diligently unto your children. We need to be teaching the word of God to our children today. They get a steady diet of television, of music, of video games and the like. We need to give them a steady diet of that which will help save their souls. Help them to live a successful life in this world. And then they will also can be prepared for the world that is to come. And as parents, we make a huge, huge mistake when we neglect this book that I hold in my hand in the rearing of our children. The Bible claims to be sufficient, and we need it today. The Bible as it is, is sufficient to meet the needs of man as he is. Now, what about the sufficiency of Scripture? I want to call your attention to a few passages from the Old Testament from the 19th Psalm. In the first six verses of Psalm 19, he's talking about uh, general revelation. Uh, he's talking about how God's power is revealed in his creation. 
For example, in verse 1, he said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And in them he had set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other. And there's nothing hidden from its heat. All those verses are about God's wonderful creation. He created the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets in their heavens. Placed them there in their orbits. God is a great creator. He is revealed in that creation. That's exactly what Paul meant in Romans, the first chapter, when he said, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they're without excuse. For when they knew him as God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. And so Paul said in Romans chapter 1, Men know about God by just looking at what God made. That's God's general revelation. But there is God's special revelation, and that's the Bible. Start in verse number 7 in Psalms 19 and listen to what he writes. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Those verses tell us about the Bible, about the Word of God. Notice in verse number 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. So the law is perfect. Well, what is the benefit of this perfect law? Converting the soul. The soul of man is converted by the perfect law of God. Notice again, he says, the testimony is sure. The word testimony would be the equivalent of the word law in verse number 7. And he says, the testimony is sure. Well, what's the benefit of it? Making wise the simple. There is wisdom to be learned, to be had from the study of the Bible. Then verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. So statutes are right. What's the benefit? Rejoicing the heart. It brings gladness to the heart when we do what God says. Then notice again, the commandment is pure. God's commandment is pure. What is the benefit? 
It enlightens the eyes. It is an enlightenment to the soul of man to study the Bible. Next he says, the fear of the Lord is clean. And to fear God is the equivalent of the commandment, the statutes, the testimony, and the law. So the fear of the Lord is clean. And what's the benefit? Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. So his judgments are true. What is the benefit? It makes you righteous altogether. So when you do what God tells you to do, when you respect him, you reverence his will, you fear him, then it makes you righteous altogether. And I want you to notice what he says about the Bible in verse 10. God's will, his word, is more desired than gold, fine gold, pure gold. I know you see ads sometimes on the television of people wanting you to buy gold at this company or that company, thinking that's a hedge on inflation. Let me tell you about some gold that's more valuable than anything you see on advertised on television. And it's the Bible. It's more desired than gold. I'd rather have the Bible than all the gold in Fort Knox. It's sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. And this book warns us. It gives us warnings. He says, moreover by them your servant is warned. And when we obey this book, this all-sufficient guide for man, then we're going to be blessed. He says, in keeping them, there is great reward. You see, there's profit in studying the Bible. And we need to study the Bible today. We need to be committed to Scripture today. I don't know of a time in my preaching life where where it's needed any more than today. I've been preaching now for 50 plus years. I can remember in the early days of my preaching ministry that almost all people everywhere believed the Bible. They, they may not have read it. They may not have lived by it, but they believed it. They believed the Bible to be the Word of God. Almost all people everywhere believed in God. But we live in a different world today. We live in a world where people have rejected, this, have rejected this book. And they don't believe the Bible. And they make fun of the Bible. And they mock the Bible. They ridicule the Bible. And we live in a time where so many people do not even believe in God. More than ever, rather than surrendering our faith in this book, we need to be deeply committed to the Bible today. And we need to get back to the Bible today. And we need to get to know this book. We need to study this book in order that we might be saved eternally. So I'm not curious about the book I hold in my hand. I'm not studying it to try to prove a theory I have. Being committed to this book is the only thing that's really going to matter. In 1 Peter 4 and 11, Peter said uh, that we should 
uh, speak. If any man speak, let him speak as oracles of God. Well, whatever I say should have the authority of God behind it. But I think a lot of people today are chasing worldviews. And they have caved in to the pressure of this old world. And they're trying to, 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 to tailor their messages to fit in with the worldview. I, I suppose that uh, I, I would be considered a, a, an old-fashioned preacher. I don't know how, what your perception might be. But the way that I was taught as a young preacher is that I am to preach the Word of God whether men obey it or not. I'm to preach the Word of God whether men like it or not. But I was warned not to try to be offensive in the preaching of it, to preach it in love, as Paul writes in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, we're to preach it in love. And then I was also taught that I should preach the Bible so people could understand it. And I believe that people can understand the Bible. And we need to be committed to the preaching of it more than ever before. George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern the people without God and the Bible. And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if all elected officials throughout the land, from the highest to the lowest, would begin to approach the problems of this nation with a Bible in one hand and their calluses on their knees from praying on the other hand. It'll make a difference in this world. The Bible as it is is all we need. It is a sufficient guide. It's sufficient to tell us what to do to be saved. And this book tells us to believe on Jesus with all of our heart. It tells us to repent of our every sin. It tells us to confess our faith in Christ. It tells us to be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3, 27. And it also tells us to remain faithful. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Would you be committed to this book enough to obey it? I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Coming to Faulkner has been one of the best decisions of my life. Not only have I had the chance to meet many great professors, but I've had the chance to be educated by them and become their friends. I had the opportunity to serve the community through Faulkner service programs. I really enjoyed using my talents by helping others. At Faulkner University, we seek to educate the whole person, including mind, spirit, and soul. That's what makes us different. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.